Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target, are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill. The future is a hefty responsibility and not one that we take lightly. But then taking things lightly has never been what hefty is about. That's why we've created the Hefty Renew program that turns hard to recycle plastics into valuable resources like park benches and building materials. To participate, simply fill up an orange Hefty Renew bag with accepted items, tie it up, and drop it in with your regular recycling. That's it. It's that easy. It's time to rethink recycling with Renew. Particular valued resources may vary by geography. More info available at heftyrenew.com. Welcome to Red Leg Nation Radio, your home for discussion and analysis of Cincinnati Reds baseball all year long. Now here's your host, Chad Dotson. Hello everyone, welcome back to Red Leg Nation Radio, episode number 164 of the podcast. I'm Chad Dotson, your host. Joining me today is a frequent co-host and a good friend of me and of Red Leg Nation and of all of you. And that's Jason Linden. How are you today, Jason? I am just fabulous. I mean, okay, I'm not as fabulous as I would be if the Reds had won, but I'm still pretty fabulous. Well, the Reds did lose tonight. We are recording this Thursday night right after the uh, the first game of the four-game set against the Milwaukee Brewers, and we're going to talk a little bit about the game tonight. Uh, well, about specifically uh, the starting pitcher. But we also don't want to uh, let the fact that the Reds lost get in the way of what's been some really good feelings uh, around the Cincinnati area and um, uh, Red Leg Nation as we call it, about the way the Reds have started this season. You know, they, they start jumped out to a 7-2 and two start to begin the, the year. And, and going into the game tonight, the best tied for the best record in the major leagues, game-and-a-half lead in the uh, National League Central. They'll still be in first place in the Central uh, when we wake up tomorrow. And, man, it's just been as exciting a first week-and-a-half as I can remember in a long time. Would you, would you agree with that? I, I would. The thing I saw, and I didn't bother to look up to see if it's true, but I think it is, is that this is their best start since 1990. Yeah, was that 1990 team any good? I don't, I don't remember. I mean, they were okay. <laughs> yeah, I, I mean, think that is true. You, you'd think they'd have done like a 7 or 2 or something just incidentally in that time. Well, yeah, because we're all saying, oh, it's early, you know, let's not get too excited. Everybody's thinking that, and, and it is. It's too early to start printing out, out those World Series tickets just yet. But on the other hand, that's a long time. 1990 is, uh, you know, ages ago. And so, uh, again, we're not saying the Reds are going to win. The, well, you may be saying, I'm not saying the Reds are going to win the World Series. but They're going to win the World Series. Jason just said it, okay? You heard it here first. The Reds are going to sure win the World Series. <laughs> but, uh, but on the other hand, I think there's reason and I'll, maybe you can articulate this better than, I, than I'm able to here, but I believe there's reason to believe that while the Reds may not be a uh, the best team in the majors as they look, have looked so far, there's real reason to believe that they're a different Reds team than we've seen the last couple of years and that while they may not uh, may not win the World Series, that they could be expected to be a fun team to watch all season long. I will I will now make an official and legitimate projection uh, prediction, which is that the Reds will... Uh, we'll finish the season above 500. 
You know, I, I predicted that before spring training, and that was before uh, DiScalfani and Bailey got hurt, that they would go 81 and 81 was my prediction. And and you predict now they will go be above 500. Is that what you're saying? Yeah, that's just statistics, though, because I, I think their true talent level is probably around a 500 team. But they're four games over 500 now, so we would expect them to play 500 baseball for the rest of the year, which means they would finish over 500. Uh, you know, uh, Jason, last year I recall you wrote a piece at uh, Cincinnati Magazine. And I don't like you going out writing for other places other than Red Lake Nation, by the way. Stop that. Tough. You're too, you're too good a writer. You need to keep it at uh, Red Lake Nation. But you wrote a piece last year, I mean a long time ago um, at this point, where you predicted, or not, not maybe not predicted, but suggested that there was a chance that the Reds could finish in second place this year. I mean, that was, that was long before this, this big start. So what were you seeing at that time that causes you to believe that this team is, if not for real, they're at least uh, for real in terms of being an improved team? It's just, it's just all the young guys. I mean, it's one of those deals where they had a ton of prospects, maybe none of whom were like, until they drafted Nick Senzel were the holy crap, this guy's a sure thing level, but it was enough prospects where surely some people had to pan out. And they didn't meet they didn't need that many people to pan out to be like a decent team. I mean, you know this this sounds ridiculous to say, but I'll, I'll say it and then hopefully people will take what I mean. The difference between being a five hundred team and what the Reds were last year is one Mike Trout. <laughs> Can we can we get one of those, please? It's only one player, <laughs> right. and if you can spread Mike Trout around, you know that level of improvement around to three or four or five different spots. It's really like they had lots of opportunity to improve, and it wasn't like a sure thing. And frankly, I think in the Central Five Hundred might be second place this year. Um, I think there are a lot of teams that are kind of in. There are the Cubs, and then there's everybody else. Right. Um, I think the other teams are a lot more tightly packed than than some would have you believe. Um, but yeah, I just, I don't see a reason why they couldn't. It was one of those deals where you just take the obvious, the players were either going to pan out or they weren't. And if they didn't, it was going to be a long couple of years, but if they did, they were going to get decent pretty quick. Well, right. And there, there are two sides, as you said to that. The first is and, and what I said yesterday at Red Lake Nation, actually, the difference between this year's team, 2017 and again, I'm trying not to go overboard because the Reds just had a good start. But I believe this for a while. The difference between last year's Reds team and or this year's Reds team and the teams we saw in 2015 and 2016 is that this year the team is young and they have legitimate upside. There are places where you could expect to see some of that improvement because they've filtered out some of the older guys who should be on the downside of their career. And we got guys that should be expected, or you would hope anyway, if things go well, to be improving. And Here. Go, yeah, go ahead. Well, here's something fun because I always have like these stats and things up when I uh, when we do these, just so I can look at stuff if need be. Just real quickly, listen to the how old each pitcher has been who has thrown at least an inning for the Reds so far this year: 24, 25, 25, 27, 31, 25, 34, 27, 24, 29, 24, 25, 24, 40. Okay, we'll that's a whole to, lot we'll get, of mid twenties right there. Yeah, we'll get to forty in a minute. Yeah. You're right. And you know what the uh, the sort of corollary to that is? Uh, Bill Lack, who comes on, who's on the podcast, who has been from the beginning and is our favorite uh, podcast because he's so crotchety. But he texted me the other day, and he said, you know, I just saw this. It sort of blew his mind, and it surprised me too. The Reds lineup this year, their hitters, are, it's the youngest collection of hitters that the Reds have had 
I believe they're overall the youngest team in baseball right They now. are. But this is the youngest the Reds have had since 1970. The youngest uh, yeah. collection of hitters yeah, since 1970. Yeah, I, I saw that, yeah. And so, you know, of course, I texted back to him, uh, Big Red Machine too. <laughs> but uh, so, yeah, we're, this team's playing well right now. But the difference is, and we I don't want to get back into Brandon Phillips, and I know, you know, I like Jay Bruce and – you know, but we finally got some young kids coming, filtering through, that are getting themselves onto the stage here in the major leagues and really producing, and it's fun to watch. And it's 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 why this you can be optimistic about this team, whereas you could not be optimistic as much in the last two years because we sort of knew what we were getting. And and, and yeah. the, the flip side, as I wanted to mention before we got off the topic, was you said second place, and, and the other side of that is yes, the Reds should be improved, but uh, this. National League Central. I mean, the Cubs are the Cubs, and they're going to be there all year. They're, you know, if, if they don't win the division, I'll be very surprised. But you know, the Cardinals—they're sort of on the downswing, although they've been good for a while and they always reload. They're, you know, I, I expect the Pirates to sort of fade back a little bit. They've had a good run, and I see them sort of in the situation where the Reds were a few years ago. They're taking a step back. I think the Brewers are improving their organization, but they're not as close as the Reds, I think, to taking that next step. To be competitive, so second place—that's not—that's not irrational at all. Jason, you were a Nostradamus a year ago. It's amazing. I am amazing. It's true. I can't deny it. <laughs> well, I'm glad you don't deny but, it. I mean, here is here is a fun thing to think about at this point, though. With the light start, as much as we're always like, oh, the first week or two weeks don't matter. Um, you know, like I said, statistically speaking, if you think they're a 500 team, it means you think they play 500 the rest of the year. Well, if they end up four games over 500, that's kind of wild card territory. It's not like a guarantee. But it's in the hunt. You're in the hunt. You're in the conversation. Like, if things break your way, you are the wild card team. If the Reds are just in the conversation at the end of the year, everyone is going to be, uh, their minds are going to be blown with excitement at how, how, you know, what a season this has been. They don't even have to make the playoffs. If they're even in the conversation, like you say, at the end of the year, we're going to look up and we're going to be like, wow. You know, great year, great year. Yep. And I think you said on the podcast uh, a while back that you sort of could see some hints here that this is kind of maybe could be like 2009 for the Reds. And for those of you that remember 2009, the Reds, you know, uh, they weren't there yet. But then the next year they took that big leap and and won the National League Central. And uh, you've said you've seen some of those uh, hints, I think, haven't you? Yeah, and I mean, that's just, you know, I like to sometimes just kind of stare at numbers and see if I can see anything. But yeah, that they had that same kind of like, sort of like the same kind of, I won't even really call it the surge that they had last year, but they went from being, over the course of a season, from being very bad to being like, okay. Like, you know, we all remember that. I mean, it was obvious paying attention to the Reds. The first half team was different than the second half team last year. Like the first half was painful, and the second half just wasn't. It was like, okay, this is baseball. It's non-humiliating baseball. Yeah, and you know, the thing that uh, let's let's sort of switch gears just a little bit. Actually, I want because I, I want to mention the single thing that I think probably maybe we agree has been the most exciting thing that we've seen in the first week, uh, week and a half of the season. And I think to lead into that, at least it's, it's the most exciting thing to me. And I'm going to let you lead into it. Um, you did some pre- predictions over at FanGraphs. Yeah, I um, edit and, and occasionally write for um, the Hardball Times, which is part of the Fangraphs like, group or whatever. And that means I get to do staff predictions, which is kind of fun because it's like I'm like, you know, 
the guy who has no idea what he's talking about with all of these like sort of very important baseball writer people. But it's, it's fun. They, you know, I get to play too, and it's nice. But anyway, um, I predicted Amir Garrett for the Rookie of the Year this year. Based partially, it was homerism, but partially it was just what I saw from him last year in Louisville, and uh, feeling pretty good about that right now. <laughs> I think you texted me a while back and uh, being a little bit facetious, but uh, I think you said Amir Garrett is, who did you say? Johnny Cueto? I, yeah, I'm not being facetious. <laughs> Whoa. I'm not. Whoa, come on now. He's no, not, no, no. He's, he's 25-year-old Johnny Cueto, you mean? No, he's rookie Johnny Cueto. That, well, there you go, right. Yeah, like, he. I wouldn't be surprised if he had a few growing pains. I mean, it is important to remember, though, that the age on Garrett is a little deceptive. Um He's, um, he doesn't you know, have as many innings in his arm. Right, he doesn't have as many innings. He had the basketball and all that. But no, like I think that I think that Amir Garrett is is very. I think it's likely. I think his floor is Johnny Cueto's rookie season. That's what. That's what I think. Whoa, his floor for his rookie season is Johnny Cueto's rookie season. And when Amir Garrett gets to the point where his mechanics are lined out and stay lined out, except for the very rare hiccup that every pitcher has. He's he's going to be a force. He's going to be really, really good. Like I don't think people understand that Amir, and I, with the possible ex- exception of Rysel Iglesias, I would not be surprised if in two or three years people are obviously saying that Amir Garrett is the most talented pitcher in the Reds organization. Well, right now I say Iglesias, but uh, I can see what you're saying. You know, two starts and he uh, started with twelve uh, scoreless innings. In his major league career, first time a Red has done that since 1970, the uh, immortal Wayne Simpson, who uh, unfortunately had his career ruined by blowing out his arm. But, you know, 2-0 and right now, an ERA of 1.42. He just uh, has looked in command the entire time he's been uh, in the major leagues. And every time I wa- I've watched him these first two starts, both, both times I've watched him, occasionally uh, in those innings, I've thought back to what you said on, here on the podcast last year which is this guy when you saw him because you saw him a lot in louisville when he when he has command when he is really controlling things he's sort of a dominant presence out there he really controls the game and uh and he's done that as a rookie in the big leagues and it's really just been sort of astounding and and you do wonder if he can take a huge step forward he's going to have rough spots all young pitchers do but this guy might be more ready to pitch in the major leagues than any of us expected i guess is, is what i'm saying yeah, I mean, when his control is there, and especially when his control is there and his changeup is working, which happened several times in Louisville last year. I mean, when those two things were in sync last year in Louisville, it was the AAA hitters just had they had no chance. Like there was, it was ridiculous. He would drop, you know, the velocity drop between his fastball and the changeup would be 15 miles per hour, and it looked exactly the same. And they had no shot. And he didn't do that every time. Um, but the thing I think to be optimistic about with Garrett as far as I can tell from what I've seen and then from what I heard around the, the bats organization is he doesn't, it's not a mental aspect to him. It's he's just still figuring his body out to some extent. Like sometimes his mechanics get out of whack and then he needs to fix them and then he's fine. It's not, he doesn't get the yips or whatever you want to call them. Like he doesn't freak himself out. So it's just a matter of him getting enough sort of muscle memory or whatever. I suppose I'm not, I'm not a world-class athlete, so I don't know what you call it. Um, that the, the mechanics stay in sync all the time, and then, well, there we go. Well, it's interesting, and it, 
sort of relates to what you just said um, a moment ago. After his most recent start, Brian Price, Reds manager Brian Price, just was raving about Garrett's changeup, about his ability to command the changeup, uh, and his ability to throw it in any count. And he said that's been the difference in his first two starts is that he's really improved that changeup more than you know. Price has only seen him in a couple of spring trainings, I guess, and uh, uh, and now in the big leagues. And he, he said that's that's the big difference right now. And if he can continue to work that change up like he has been, uh, he's sort of said what you did. The sky's the limit for this kid. And it's been uh, it's been amazing to watch. Uh, so much fun. You've been telling us about this guy. And uh, for once, for once, Jason, you were right. I'm almost always right, Chad. <laughs> no, no. We got, we got lots of recorded conversations here where I'm sure anybody could go back and listen to all the times you've been wrong. I said almost. <laughs> almost. There you go. Um so, but but yeah, a lot of fun. Anything else in particular in terms of an individual this season who sticks out to you as a guy that's been just uh, sort of really fun to watch early on this year? Is there anyone? Suarez has been pretty great. That's that's the guy, man. That is the guy. Um, I, I don't know how much any of you saw the game tonight, Thursday night again, the game they lost, but Suarez was 0 for 4, and I swear he was still – maybe the best player on the field. He made a couple of amazing plays at third base. And we talked about it last year. He improved so much at th- third base from the beginning of the year to the end of the year where he was awful at the beginning and he became a, a average to slightly above average third baseman by the end of the season. This year he's making every single play. He looks comfortable over there. And, of course, he's been hitting like crazy. Before tonight he was hitting 429 uh, with a couple of home runs, 529 on base percentage. So, uh, you know, Another guy that's 25. We talk about these young guys, and, and it seems like Suarez has been here for a while, but he's, here's another guy that could take a step forward. He's just 25. Another guy that could, uh, you know, get all those uh, wins above replacements you're talking about uh, that would equal up to Mike Trout. He, he's he's poised for a good season. I mean, I talked about that's that's another one. If I can toot my horn again, I if he if he has a great year this year, I will also have called that. Um, I said that I thought he was a four to five win player, and I. You, yeah, you did say that, as a matter of fact, and uh, have said it in print. And, uh, you know, I, I'm not sure I'm willing to step out on that particular limb just yet. There's another guy I think is going to have a huge breakout year that's had a good start to the season as well, but um, that we may talk about in a moment. But Suarez, I don't know. You know, he's he's a guy that everybody kind of talks over him. Like, oh, we got all these great middle infielders, and we got this, we got Nick Senzel drafted in the first round last year, and we got all these guys that are, you know, going to be on the next good Reds team, and he kind of gets left out of the conversation. And I always want to say, wait a minute, Suarez is the one guy. When you talk about Senzel, and you talk about uh, Jose Peraza, you talk about Dilson Herrera, I said, Suarez is the one young guy here that's actually produced on the major league level and uh, keeps getting better. So, I don't know where he's going to end up long-term in Cincinnati, whether it's third base or second base or even shortstop where he's played some over, during the spring. Uh, but this guy has, got, has to be, to, to me, has to be in the Reds' long-term plans. Yeah. I, I Yes, completely agreed, no question. Um, yeah, I mean, just he's just he's fun to watch. He's uh, had a good interview last night uh, with Jim Day. And uh, just a likable kid. Really happy to see him. And, and the best part about that is we, we've criticized Walt Jockety a number of times here on the podcast and at RedLegNation.com. But uh, what a, there are a few trades you can point to that were, you could call master strokes, uh, uh, strokes of genius, I guess. He got a, a Eugenio Suarez for the corpse of Alfredo Simon. Um, 
course, then the Reds went back. Yeah, that was an unquestionably brilliant trade. Yeah, it's just a uh, just a, a, a steal. So, uh, the one guy I wanted to talk about that I think has shown a, a sort of a clue early in the year, more so than uh, more so than some expected, I guess. But uh, a lot of people are high on on my guy Billy Hamilton. I, I can't get away without talking about Billy Hamilton because. His defense has been amazing. He made a couple more incredible plays tonight to sort of save Bronson Arroyo, uh, you know. But coming in tonight, uh, hitting three oh six. But he's, you know, he's hitting the ball hard. He hit two balls hard tonight, I think, that that weren't hits. He did get a hit and then stole second and then went to third on a sack fly and then scored on a sack fly. It's a Billy run, but uh, yeah. But but Billy Hamilton's hitting the ball hard. And uh, I keep hearing these this talk about him coming out early to work and you know getting, getting his reps in and still following Vado around everywhere he goes. I'm telling you, I've been I've been telling everybody Billy Hamilton's going to be an All Star in 2017, and I've seen nothing yet through the first uh, you know week and a half that makes me not believe that. I, maybe I'm getting too excited over small samples. So that's this should be called the Small Sample Podcast, but. It really should. I mean, that's the fun of the first two weeks. That was everybody's on pace for 80 home runs. And <laughs> right. Yeah. But, I mean, you know, I think Hamilton was close to all-star level last year. If he hits 300, he's certainly an all-star. I mean, if he hits 300, he's an MVP candidate, quite possibly with his defense. Right. Um, yeah, I think, you know, if he can get that on-base percentage up, uh, and, you know, his on-base percentage has been fine this year. It's, you know, and, again, it's still still early. Uh, he's getting on base. Um, not walked as much as I w- would hope to, but he's making really good contact. This year, so if he can combine uh, contact with what we saw as an elevated uh, walk rate in the second half of last year, along with that defense and the way he runs bases, because every time he's on base, he uh, just is amazing. He's got, I think, five stolen bases already this year. Uh, that guy is the most. Uh, everything we say here about the most in baseball has to have a sort of non-Mike Trout category. He's the most exciting player in baseball, not named Mike Trout. And uh, I know I'm uh, I'm on the Billy Hamilton bandwagon, but. Uh, yeah, I'm excited. I'm excited. Pitching wise, one guy I want to mention uh, as well, because you, you and only because you mentioned it a moment ago about Amir Garrett's mechanics kind of getting out of whack sometime. Uh, I don't know if you saw Cody Reed's uh, performance the other day when he threw three innings in relief. If you were watching that game, um, I heard that on the radio. Okay, well his mechanics were <laughs> he had him he had him that night. He's another guy that has some some trouble with the way he finishes and he's struggled to maintain a, a proper release. Wow! Yeah. We finally saw the Cody Reed that you saw sometimes in AAA, and that we've seen in the spring the last couple of years. Yeah, I was going to say that the thing I saw from him often in AAA. This actually happened a couple of times. This is mechanics would get out of whack, and Ted Power would literally walk out to the mound, and I don't know what he said to him, but I think it was something equivalent to "fix your mechanics," and then he would fix his mechanics, and then he was fine. Um, so I think Cody Reed, you know, I mean, we're psychoanalyzing from a distance here, but I think Cody Reed maybe does get in his head a little bit sometimes. But, but yeah, if he can keep his mechanics under control, then then he's somebody else. I mean, I, yeah, I, I, I'm a Cody Reed believer for sure. Yeah, he's 24. Yeah. 24 years old, Jason. Yeah. I know you're almost 24. You're barely older than that, but that seems really, oh, really young to me. For those... For, you know, youth is wasted on the young and all that. Right. Yeah, he's a guy that's gotten a hard time uh, from Reds fans because they didn't, they've they not seen him. And he was unquestionably bad in his first taste of the big leagues last year. Uh, but he's a guy I hope is going to get a start soon. I hope he's going to start in place of rookie Davis because Davis went on the 10-day disabled list. And I really hope he can have a an effective start 
coming off. Yeah, the you assume it'll be like Reed or I guess Romano would probably be the second choice there. Well, Sal Romano, I think that lines up perfectly with the way he pitched in AAA, and, and he almost made the major league roster. So maybe, but I'm really hoping they can they can hand that one to Cody Reed because I, Price, Brian Price has said that he's going to try to get Cody Reed some starts early in the season, and uh, I don't know. He's a, he's a kid that I think just needs a little taste of success in the big leagues, but he's he's got it all. I mean, he he really has it. Um, you're not predicting he's going to be co rookie of the year with Amir Garrett. No, but I think he could be. Uh, I, I think he has the potential to be every bit as good as Amir Garrett. You know, I do too. And and I see Cody Reed, and I see Amir Garrett, and I see Anthony DiScalfani when we get him back. That's a pretty, t- pretty good top three of and Brandon Finnegan. And that, yeah, that's leaving out Brandon Finnegan, who's younger than all of them, uh, and who had one great start this year. Uh, so so top four if, if Finnegan can stick in the in the rotation i mean in terms of upside in terms of ceiling that's a ceiling rotation for sure and it's the type of rotation that you would see out of a playoff team am i right if everybody pans out it is yeah yeah absolutely and we've talked about if everybody pans out for a while and i want to ask you because you've been sort of vocal about uh about robert stevenson because he's in the bullpen now and uh you know he may get a chance to start at some point uh the first time, his first outing of the year, it was Stevenson, like we saw last year in the bigs, and I think you saw him sort of that way in AAA some last year as well. His second outing, he had a more command of his fastball, and his off-speed stuff, to me, and I'm no, I'm no pitching guru, but his off-speed stuff was incredible. It was moving everywhere, and so I can sort of see why this guy's been a, a top prospect, but what, what, what can we expect out of Robert Stevenson? I don't know, and no one does. He's had he's had exactly the same problems throughout his entire minor league career, and has transferred into his major league career, which is that he doesn't throw enough strikes. He walks too many guys, or even when he doesn't walk too many guys, he is in the third or fourth inning, and he's got like ninety pitches, and you know he's got he's got to get that in hand. And I think he knows, that, you know, if he doesn't know that now, he's going to know it soon. Um, and I, I think the Reds organization certainly knows it. Like, you know, at some point, and yeah, he's still young. Yeah, he can still get it or whatever. But at some point, like, how, how long can you bang your head against the wall for, you know? Yeah, I mean, that's, that's a good question. I, I don't want to, uh, certainly not ready, and, and you're not either, suggesting that it's time to give up on Robert Stevenson. But the, the one time I finally got to see him command that fastball, it just was amazing what a different pitcher he was and, yeah. can, and can be because he does have great stuff and you sort of see what the scouts have seen. Let's let's just say that that my if I were to make an official prediction for Robert Stevenson, it's not that he's going to like not make it as major leaguer, but it's that I think his destiny is veering toward the bullpen. Um. Okay. Yeah, and and I, I wonder. I certainly yeah. You know, we got Reed and Stevenson in the bullpen to start the season, in, and Stevenson has been the guy that I, everybody agrees is probably more likely to end up there. But uh, that worries me too. Not being able to throw strikes in the bullpen. How does that play? Maybe maybe he change. I don't know. Maybe he changes the way he throws uh, if he is, knows he's, knows he's going. Um, you know, in short outings. I I don't know. I don't know. I I, I just hope he can get some command because you you saw it I think in Louisville too right just amazing stuff when yeah when he had it but in Louisville a lot of times he did not have it um most of the I didn't see every start but most of the starts I saw for him were of the 90 pitches in the fourth inning variety 
Yeah, that's not going to get it done, Jason Linden. No, no. especially when it happens at AAA, it's really not going to get it done. <laughs> no, it's not. It's not. So I'm uh, I'm hopeful about Stevenson, and, and you know, who knows? Who knows? But uh, you can certainly tell that he has real ability, and and probably in terms of stuff, he's up there with Garrett and uh, Amir Garrett and Cody Reed. But yeah, no question. But you, you got to throw strikes in the major leagues. I mean, you just have to. So. Okay. Um, anything else about the sort of the pitching staff and the young pitchers you want to you want to talk about? Or are you ready to shift gears? I think we can shift shift gears. I mean, the, the pitchers are fun, but yeah, <laughs> they are. They're exciting. These young guys. I think there's uh, some real upside. But I think the thing that the Reds have gotten probably more publicity for nationwide uh, in this first ten days has been Brian Price, and I want to talk to you about Brian Price a little bit. And to set the stage. You know, we had the game the other day against uh, Pittsburgh, and uh, Brandon Finnegan started. And Finnegan, of course, had that uh, just monster uh, season debut uh, against St. Louis, I guess it was, and uh, or against Philadelphia. Just incredible. And then he comes back, and uh, he you know, struggles. And we get to the third inning, and bases are loaded, no outs. And Brian Price, the much maligned Brian Price, brings in Michael Lorenzen, in the third inning, which you know we've been calling, we've been asking for this for years. Bases loaded, no outs. Bring in you know uh, one of your best relievers. Lorenzen comes in, slams the door shut, pitches three shutout innings. Cody Reed follows up with three shutout innings. Wandy Peralta comes in and pitches a shutout inning, and the game's over. And so, what do you make? I guess I'll ask you, Jason, of the fact that Brian Price, who's been hinting that he might be creative with his bullpen for a while now just did something that we never would have seen very many major league managers do around baseball. Well, okay. This is a complicated answer, but I think what's interesting about it is this. When, when we saw Brian Price as pitching coach, he was a really, he seemed inventive, creative, progressive, whatever words you want to call, like outside the box thinker, which is why we were hopeful when he was named manager. Right. And then, um, he came as uh, he came in as manager and was just so con- conventional, like so conventional, and we were all just out of our minds over it, wondering, well, why on earth is he this conventional? Like this isn't what we've seen before, and um, you know, now all of a sudden there's somebody new in the front office, and all of a sudden Brian Price is kind of doing the things that we really sort of thought he was going to do. Um, and I just wonder, like, I, I'm wondering, like, were the reins taken off? Was he told to do what he wanted to do? Or was he directed to do a specific thing and he's doing that this year? Like, I don't know what the answer to the question is, but I know that it's different and I like it. Well, I do too. And I, th- I suspect there are two reasons why we're seeing what we're seeing out of Brian Price so far this year. That he's willing to think outside the box. The first of those is Dick Williams is fully in charge now as GM. And he's been very vocal himself about uh, the his idea is that the Reds need to think outside the box. We can't, we can't do the same thing that everybody's doing. We're in a different situation than everybody. And you know, I heard uh, Dick Williams talking to uh, to Zach Buchanan and, and C. Trent Rosecrans last week, and he floated out the idea of let's have a twelve man uh, pitching staff with no starting pitchers. You know, and just uh, him saying that, and of course that's not going to happen in this day and age. But just him saying that makes me think, whoa, 
this this club's really truly willing to think outside the box. So I think he has gotten some freedom, as you suggested, from management. The flip side of that is Brian Price has been ex- criticized uh, heavily uh, among Reds fans because he's lost a lot of games the, the, his first three years as a manager. But this is the first time in his managerial, managerial career that Brian Price has had an actual roster to manage. You know, with some decent players and, and, and a good bullpen, which I do want to talk about how amazing the bullpen's been. And so maybe the fact that he's been so conventional is the, is, has been sort of caught up in the fact that he's had bad rosters. He's kind of trying to save his job in some way. So, you know, doing things outside the box is not the way to save your job if you're, if management's not fully in, on board. And so I think those two together means that he's feeling a little bit of freedom. And the results have been astounding. He has just used his bullpen in ways that very few managers around baseball would, and I'm I'm ecstatic about it. What, what, you think that's uh, somewhere close to the mark? Yeah, I think I think that's about right. Like I think everything you said is completely on par. And and it, I mean, it, you know, again, so far as we can tell, it's 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 one of those things where you kind of see what what you have in front of you and you extrapolate. But I mean, all of that sounds completely reasonable to me. Well, we talk about small sample sizes, you know, nineteen games or whatever. But but that's something that I mean, bringing Michael Lorenzen in like that, though. I mean, that's <laughs> that's like. That's like Billy Hamilton hitting a 500-foot home run. Like, it happens, and you think, okay, something di- something's different now. Right, right. That's not, that's not a small sample size thing. That's, this guy's looking at the game a little bit differently, and he's trying to get wins all of a sudden. And it's fun. I think it's fun. You think it's fun? I, I think it's tremendously fun. <laughs> yeah, so, so it's going to be sort of really, that's going to be one of the interesting things to watch. We've talked before about the things that are interesting about this team and the young players and et cetera, but – that's now all of a sudden shoots to the top of the list of things that I'm watching. Wow, is Brian Price really going to become, you know, uh, uh, I don't want to say a Joe Madden type, but just an outside-the-box thinker. And um, early returns are good. And uh, does that go into your some of your prediction about uh, the Reds being a, an above-average team this year? Yeah, it does. I mean, if they're willing to, to do things unconventionally, that's what small market teams are supposed to do. Yeah. Um, supposed to be unconventional. Um, if we try to do the same things that the Yankees and Red Sox are doing, we're not going to beat them at that game. Yeah, I, I agree. And, and so if if they do some things unconventionally and some guys come along, I mean, I think it is possible they can win the wild card. Oh, my gosh. Jason. You... But what was it like? You know, you t- yeah, I think you tweet, tweeted about this thing. You wrote a post about it, too. And I, I actually took it this morning. As of this morning, 538 had them up to a 22% chance of making the playoffs. That's not bad. I mean, it's, it's a real chance. It's not, uh, you uh-huh. know, it's nothing, it's nothing to sneeze at. Uh, yeah, I'm not I'm not willing to necessarily go out on that limb, as I said. But um, what, what do you think about this bullpen for this team in terms of? I think it's going to be one of the best bullpens in the league. Whoa. Jason, you're optimistic, my man. Lorenzen and Iglesias and Storm, like, and you know, one of the things I tweeted the other day was that they they brought Tony Singrani in when they were up eight nothing in the ninth. Like, and Tony Singrani is not like the greatest relief pitcher in the world, but if he's your your ninth inning when you're up eight nothing, man, you have a good bullpen. He was the closer last year. Yeah, sometimes. <laughs> well, right, but at the end of the year, he ended up being the closer. Yeah, uh, the, mostly, usually. Yeah, I mean, we're talking 12 months ago. It was a historically bad bullpen 
I mean, literally, that's not an exaggeration. One of the worst bullpens in baseball history. Twelve months they're later, all, they're already one point six wins above replacement better this year than they were all of last year. That's crazy. They're one point one wins above replacement this year. They were half a win below replacement last year. No, sorry, that's the whole pitching staff. Yeah, which, which is amazing because they were again historically bad. And and the difference in terms of the bullpen is you got a healthy Lorenzen to start the year. You have a healthy uh, Rizal Iglesias, the greatest pitcher on earth, as far as I'm concerned, uh, out there. You've got Drew Storen, who has uh, you know free agent signing, who's been good so far this year. And so you add those three guys into a bullpen, and uh, <laughs> you know it looks a lot different than, than what we had last year with the bless his heart, uh, the dearly departed J.J. Hoover's of the oh. world. You know, man, it just and they've not given up a run, I don't think yet this year. The bullpen. And we're into the you know tenth eleventh game of the year. I think you're right. That's remarkable. <laughs> Did you see that coming? I mean, I knew, no, they, I knew they'd be improved, but Stevenson's given up runs. Oh yeah, I guess that's true. I guess that's true. Um, they've had they've had a really good run though. But yeah, they have. It's been it's been really really exciting to watch. And uh, and the best part about having the, the Storens and the uh, Iglesiases and the even even a guy like Singrani who has closed out games is. It gives Price a little bit more flexibility if he wants to use Michael Lorenzen in the third inning. And uh, so that, that makes me really excited to watch the way Price manages this pin. Uh, he's got a full staff for the first time ever. Yes, he does. What do you, think, what do you think about yes. Michael Lorenzen? You know, for a long time, I've been kind of, okay, maybe he should be in the bullpen. But that recent article that was in the Inquirer kind of got me into the, like, let's give him a chance to start thing. Because he wants it so bad. And anybody who wants it that bad and has shown sort of the ability that he has, I think it's time to give him... I think certainly when somebody falters, he needs to to get an opportunity. It's a it's a, an interesting situation. He's a guy that I've been banging the drum for him to be a starter for, well, forever. Um, I can see why he's so valuable in the bullpen. Yeah, I, mean, I, I guess I, I guess I get it, but he is so adamant that he wants to be a starter. I think the quote was, "I will be a starter someday, and when I get that opportunity, you know, I won't, I won't look back." I mean, he really, uh, he really is. Uh, Desperate is not the right word, but he really wants to be a starter again. And so you get a picture of that much talent. I don't understand why he hasn't gotten an opportunity since coming back from the the sickness and the injury last year to start. I wonder if he might be opening some eyes this year and if, if we'll see a change um, before too much longer in their thinking for him. I mean, they've used him for three innings already, and that's really not that far off of a like spot start to see what you do. Yeah, that combined with how vocal he's been that he wants to be a starter, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, I, I love the fact that they used him to pinch hit. And what did he do when he, he got a chance to pinch hit Jason Linden? Uh, grounded into a double play, right? It's close. He, he's smashed a home run. Yeah. Um, I think he wants to be like this. Uh, I can't remember the guy's name, the Japanese baseball player who's a two-way player, a great pitcher, and also a great hitter. I think he wants to play uh, center field or something on the days he's not pitching and then start uh, be a starter every five days. I, I think that's what he really, truly wants to do. And, man, I don't know. I wouldn't put it past him. The guy's been amazing. He does everything he says he's going to do. Um, yeah, he really does. You, I think you're talking about the same arc I'm thinking about. Were you, were you astounded at the level of confidence? I mean, that guy believes he can do anything, doesn't he? He really does, um, and which is nice. I mean, that, that's kind of the attitude that you want. 
Um, yeah, he said, I think he said, uh, you know, when he came in with the bases loaded, no ass, he's like, well, I, I knew I was going to get him out. I knew I've, I've worked harder than any of them. Uh, you know, I said, I, I knew I was going to get him out and it was just, a, you know, a matter of going out there and doing it. I'm like, Whoa, really guy? You're, you're talking about pitching against a major league team. Yeah. Yeah. He's, uh, I don't know. Like I said, he's, he's he, Michael Lorenzen has brought me around. I'm a believer. Okay. Quickly. We got to get out, uh, quickly. Bronson Arroyo, another bad start tonight. He gave up six runs in his first outing, five runs tonight. Although tonight there were some positives. You could, if you trying to squint and find him, uh, is it time to give up on Bronson Arroyo? I give him two more starts. If he's bad Arroyo for two more starts, it's time to cut bait. Yeah. I, 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 he may only get one more. I don't know uh, yeah. if, if he's not good. I give him two more for all time's sake. <laughs> well, you and I are a little sentimental in that uh, in that way. But, yeah, it's not going to be long, I think. And you got you got Cody Reed, maybe Michael Lorenzen. You got Sal Romano down, down in the minors. Yeah, you've got – I mean, you've got – God, at this point, four or five options to replace him. So, yeah, our time. I guess we could talk more about Bronson, but I let's not because because I, I want to remember Bronson as the Reds Hall of Famer Bronson, and we're not seeing that just yet. No, not yet. Okay, uh, final thoughts maybe about your guy Adam Duvall, who you say is the worst player ever, who's been great so far. I said, and will continue to say, that <laughs> proves me wrong. Um, I mean, he's had better play discipline this year. The walk rate's up. If he can do the walk rate and the power, he'll have a believer out of me. Yeah, yeah. He's going to be it, another guy that's fun to watch. He said he didn't combine the two last year. If he can combine the two, I'm, I'm on board. Yeah. Um, but I have to see that for more than a week and a half. Right. And when I say fun to watch, I mean, fun to, it'd be interesting to see whether he's able to, to put all that together. I agree. Um, Jason, you've said World Series. You've said wild card. Uh, as we close up here. Can you can you put a uh, can you make a statement as to how optimistic you are about this year's Reds team or how much fun you think they're going to be to watch the whole season? I think they're going to be a lot of fun to watch this season, and I'm fairly optimistic. I you know I could if if you know I wouldn't be surprised by 86 wins. Let's put it that way. Wow, I think it, we'd all be happy with that. So uh, I agree. I think there are a lot of reasons the team has real upside, and, and they're not going to be this good all year long, probably, but. There's no reason they can't be a fun team to watch all season long and, and really sort of hang around the race. I agree. So, uh, again, thank you all for listening to uh, Red Leg Nation Radio. Uh, don't know why you would download us uh, every week, but I, can, I really appreciate uh, all of you that do. If you'd go to wherever you download the podcast, whether it be iTunes or Stitcher or TuneIn Radio or the Google Play Store, if you could go and leave us a rating and a review and just tell people that you like us, we'd certainly appreciate that. Uh, if you don't like us, as I always say, uh, keep your mouth shut. Uh, you can check us out every day at redlegnation.com. Writing about the Reds every single day have been for more than a dozen years now, which uh, just blows my mind. You can find Jason at Jason Linden on Twitter. You can find me at Dotson C if you'd like, and always uh, at Red Leg Nation if you're interested in what we're talking about. Jason, appreciate you joining me again today, buddy. Um, exciting times, man. Yeah, it's a good time. I think we're going to have fun this year. I do too. Give me lots of fun and uh, hope you all enjoy it with us here on the Red Lake Nation Radio Podcast. For Jason Linden, this is Chad Dotson saying so long, everyone. Thanks for listening to Red Leg Nation Radio from RedLegNation.com. Subscribe to Red Leg Nation Radio on iTunes or through your favorite podcast app. And join us for discussion of all things Reds at RedLegNation.com. 24 hours a day, seven days a week. 
This Valentine's Day, Dunkin's got the perfect pairings to show your love. So get down on one knee with a dozen brownie batter donuts and a cocoa mocha signature latte. Or make them swoon with a strawberry dragon fruit Dunkin' refresher with a Cupid's Choice Donut. Are you ready for love? America runs on Dunkin'. Price and participation may vary. Limited time offer.